Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canal. And on last week's episode, we talked about Roth conversions. On many episodes, on many past episodes, we've at least talked about or mentioned Roth conversions and the benefits of having money in Roth IRAs. The benefit, of course, being any growth is tax-free and any withdrawals from Roth IRAs are tax-free, as well as how that integrates with taxes on Social Security or Medicare premiums or other things like that. So it's clear that Roth IRAs and using Roth IRAs can be a very effective planning technique. The downside to some of these Roth conversions is it costs you money. It costs you money and taxes to do some of these conversions. So the goal for today's episode is we're going to talk about how do you use Roth IRAs or Roth conversions, but pair them with other effective tax planning strategies to pay the least possible amount in taxes that you can throughout retirement and maximizing everything that your money can do for you. Because the goal is to see how can we get as much money into tax-free accounts, aka Roth IRAs, while paying the least possible amount in taxes to do so. So I am very excited for today's episode because this is a strategy that I've implemented with, with several clients and several people, and the effect has been huge, saving people tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes over the course of their retirement, if done effectively. So big disclaimer, this is not tax, this is not legal advice, this is for educational purposes only. I'm going to be sharing this strategy, sharing what this could potentially look like, but before doing anything, talk to your CPA, talk to your financial planner, make sure that you're looking at everything you need to look at in terms of how this might pertain to you. But today I'm going to show you how can you most effectively use Roth conversions and combine them with other planning techniques. And to do so, I think it's most effective to look at an example. Let's assume that someone retires at 60. You have a husband and wife and they retire at 60 and they want to live on $100,000 per year. Let's assume that they have a million dollars in cash, $2 million in IRAs, and $1 million in a brokerage account. They're retiring at 60 and they want to live on $100,000 per year. And of that $100,000, let's assume that 10,000 of that is giving. Whether it's charity or tithe to a church or whatever it is, 10,000 of that 100,000 is giving. Now, here's the challenge in retirement. Let's assume that this couple is retired and they have no mortgage because they paid that off. They're probably not actually getting any tax deduction for any of that giving. They're probably taking the standard deduction, which this year is $25,100, because they don't have enough mortgage interest to combine with the charitable giving, to combine with state taxes. They're not being able to deduct any of that giving. Now, of course, you don't do the giving just for the tax benefit, But if you can possibly get a tax benefit from doing it, then absolutely let's take advantage of that. So if this couple does this, let's say for the next 30 years, then over the course of their retirement, they have given $300,000 to charity, but they've deducted nothing. So in other words, that $300,000 has been an expense, not a deduction. Again, I know you're not doing it for the deduction purposes, but from the tax perspective, let's see if there is a way to deduct that. Here's the other issue that they're facing. Let's assume that this couple, they're just living on cash and social security for the next 12 years because they don't want to pay taxes on, on withdrawals from their IRA. Number one, take a look at the last episode, episode number 50, to see why that's probably a bad idea. 
But in this example, let's just assume that's what they do. They're not listening to the Ready for Retirement podcast. They haven't gotten this tip. They're taking money just from cash and social security because they want to keep their taxes as low as possible each individual year without regard to looking towards the future. Well, what happens is if they have $2 million in their IRA, age 60 when they retire, and their portfolio grows by 7% per year, well, that $2 million is going to turn to $4.5 million by the time that they turn 72. And when they turn 72, they're going to be required to start taking distributions from their portfolio. Well, their required minimum distribution on a $4.5 million pre-tax portfolio at age 72 is going to come out to about $175,000. By age 80, if the portfolio is still at $4.5 million in pre-tax, it's going to be $240,000 that they are required to take out of their portfolio. Now, that's before Social Security, which is an additional amount. So if this couple only wants or only needs $100,000 to live on, but now they have their full Social Security benefits plus $175,000 of pre-tax IRA distributions and rising, well, all of a sudden their taxes are going to be way higher than needed. Yes, they have their income needs met, but they're paying significantly amount more in taxes than they need to or and certainly more than they want to. And by that point, they're stuck. There's really not a lot that you can do with required minimum distributions. You can do stuff with giving that right to charity and that offsets that, but they're kind of stuck. There's not a lot of planning they can do at that point. But there are things you can certainly begin doing now if you're that six-year-old couple today. They can do Roth conversions. We talked about this last episode, episode number 50. If you have not listened to that, go back and check out that episode to see the impact of doing some Roth conversions along the way. And that would certainly be effective, most likely, for their scenario. But each year, there's only so much you can convert before you start bumping up into higher tax brackets. So here's where another piece of this strategy comes into play. We mentioned a unique thing about this couple and that giving is a part of their monthly expenditures. In this couple, they're giving $10,000 per year. The downside is they're not able to deduct any of that $10,000 per year that they're giving in this example. So what if there was a way to take advantage of the next 30 years of giving that they're going to do, but take advantage of that all at once? So they're still able to give their church or their charity the same $10,000 year by year, but they can take that whole deduction all at once. There is. Now there's some details, but let's look at an example. How could that possibly play out? Well, you could open up a separate giving account. So a donor advised fund is the technical name. And just to use an example, not saying this is the only way to do it, but what if instead of this couple giving $10,000 per year or $300,000 of the course of a 30 year retirement, what if they set aside $300,000 that they had in cash and contributed that to the account today? So they put $300,000 of their cash in the donor advised fund today. Sounds like a lot. Why would they do that? Well, I'll explain here. Number one, just some details. This is an irrevocable gift. So this couple, they would still have control over those assets. They would still have control over that cash, but it's irrevocable. Meaning once they give it to the donor advised fund, they can't take it back. It has to go to a charity. But some of the benefits are they can actually invest those assets to grow for them. So they could actually end up giving more than $300,000 when you factor in the tax-free growth, but we'll, we'll circle back to that in a little bit. Let's see how this helps from a tax perspective. From a tax perspective, Instead of not getting any deduction over the course of their retirement for $300,000 of gifts, which is substantial, now they get to take a huge deduction this year. This year, they made a $300,000 contribution, but it doesn't actually help them. If we go back to their example, they don't have any taxable income. They're just living off of cash they've saved up. So if they're just living off of cash and they're in a 0% tax bracket, that $300,000 deduction or that $300,000 gift, I should say, it's not actually helping them. 
we have to create income so that we can use that deduction to write off against that income. How do we create income? We're not going to tell them to go back to work. We're not going to go tell them to get a job. We're going to do a Roth conversion. Roth conversions create taxable income. So let's assume that in that same year you contribute $300,000 to a donor advised fund. What if you also converted $300,000 from your IRA to your Roth IRA? That shifts 15% from your pre-tax accounts to your Roth accounts. So if you have $2 million in IRAs and you convert $300,000 to Roth IRAs, $300,000 is 15% of your total IRA balance. But now 15% of it is in your Roth and the remainder is still in your pre-tax account. Well, now as that money compounds, now as that $2 million grows to $4.5 million, 15% of that growth in that value is in Roth IRAs, which means $675,000 will now be in Roth IRAs at age 72 and only a little more than $3.8 million in traditional IRAs. Unlike the previous example, where they had $4.5 million in pre-tax accounts at age 72, now they only have a little bit more than $3.8 million, which means they can keep their required minimum distributions lower. Now here's the deal. Ordinarily, to convert $300,000 from your IRA to your Roth IRA would cost you a lot of money in taxes. That's going to push you up into a pretty high tax bracket. But because we paired it or combined it with a donor-advised fund contribution or a charitable deduction, it's going to offset a lot of the taxable income from that conversion. Here's one detail, though, and this is a very important detail. You can only deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income with a cash donation to your donor-advised fund. Meaning if you donate $300,000 in cash to a donor-advised fund, you can't actually write off the whole contribution. You can only write off up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. So if you do a $300,000 conversion and you have no other taxable income, well, then your adjusted gross income is $300,000. 60% of that is $180,000. So $180,000 can be deducted today, which means your actual adjusted gross income is $120,000. So in this specific year, you would pay taxes on $120,000 instead of paying taxes on $300,000. So it would pay you a significant amount, or rather it would save you a significant amount, I should say, in taxes because you're paying taxes on a much lower base. Now, as we're looking at this, this isn't even including if you have any state income taxes or other deductions like medical expenses. If so, you could tack those on to the $180,000 of deductions you're getting from your donor advised fund contribution this year. So your just actual just gross income could end up being lower than 120000 which means you're able to shift a lot of money from IRAs, so from pre-tax accounts into Roth IRAs, and do so at a much lower tax bracket than it would actually cost without any of these deductions. Well, you're looking at this and saying, that, that might sound good, but what about the other $120,000? Do I just lose that? You know, I gifted that money to my charitable fund, to my donor-advised fund. What about the remaining 120000 Because it could only write off 60% of my adjusted gross income with that contribution. Well, here's the thing. That 120000 any amount that you don't use this year, you can carry that forward for up to five years. So you could do another Roth conversion next year. And that next year, you wouldn't actually have to give any money to the donor-advised fund. You wouldn't have to give any money to a charity from your actual cash flow. But you still have $120,000 of carry-forward deductions that you use which means you could do another Roth conversion and get the same benefit from that. You could do another large Roth conversion and not have to pay taxes on the full amount. So you could carry that forward up to five years, which means you can be very strategic about how much each year are you converting to try to keep your income as low as possible. 
So if you end up doing conversions over the next two to three years in this example, because of that carry forward charitable deduction, it's not out of the side of the question to think that you could end up converting 25%, 30% or so of your IRA to your Roth IRA while staying in a significantly lower tax bracket than you would if you were just to do regular Roth con- contributions or regular Roth conversions, I should say, without pairing it with some type of a donor advised fund or charitable gift. So now in this example, instead of having $4.5 million in pre-tax accounts and none in Roth accounts at age 72, you might have closer to $3 million or $3.5 million in pre-tax accounts and $1 to $1.5 million in Roth accounts. Now think about for a second, how much would you save in taxes if you could have $1.5 million of your pre-tax balance at age 72 just transfer to your Roth account? Now, of course, it's not just transferring to your Roth account. You're doing conversions. Those conversions are costing you money in taxes but significantly less amounts in taxes by implementing the strategy. And this is still just looking at the first few years. You could still do regular Roth conversions in future years. You know, once you've fully used up the deduction from this charitable gift, you just don't have the same benefit of doing it with the same significant deductions. So you're maybe not converting two hundred or $300,000 at a time like you might be in those first years, but you could still keep doing Roth conversions in future years because you've done the significant amount or you've done the, the majority of the conversions upfront. And so you can keep doing your conversions. And on top of that, you can keep doing your $10,000 per year of giving. So circling back to that. Now, here's the added benefit. That giving, it does not need to come from your regular cash flow anymore. So if before you need to rely upon Social Security or cash withdrawals or IRA withdrawals to meet your $100,000 of living expenses, well, now you only need $90,000 from your portfolio or Social Security or cash to live on because you're still giving that $10,000. It's not something that you're no longer doing, but it's coming from your giving fund. You've pre-funded that for the significant tax benefits that allow you to do some Roth conversions, and now your cash flow each year, there's less pressure on your portfolio to support it. More of your cash flow or more of your expenses are coming from the giving fund, which means it's only your core basic non-giving living expenses that you're living on from the rest of your money. Now, here's another benefit. If you invested your giving account, because one great thing about donor advised funds is you retain full control over the assets. It is an irrevocable gift, but you can control how those how those dollars are invested. If you invested your giving account and it grew at 5% per year, so you invested in, say, a moderate portfolio, and if you gave $10,000 per year from it, from age 60 to 90, well, you replaced that same giving that you did before implementing the strategy. You still gave a total of $300,000. But in this example, you actually have money left over because your giving account was growing for you and it was growing tax-free and you're not paying interest on any of this growth you actually have six hundred and thirty-two thousand dollars left over yes you have more money left at the end of retirement than you did going into retirement if you put three hundred thousand dollars in and it grows at five percent per year and i know these numbers are just arbitrary and if you were to implement this you'd want numbers unique to you but if you have three hundred thousand dollars growing at five percent per year that's $15,000 per year of growth on average. If you're gifting 10,000 of that, what that means is your donor advised fund is actually continuing to grow tax-free while still allowing you to replace the giving that you otherwise would have done. So in this example, your donor advised fund fully supports the $10,000 per year giving that you're doing, and you would still have a significant amount. You would have $632,000 left over at age 90 that you could leave to your church, that you could leave to your charity, that you could leave to some 501c3, or you could increase your giving along the way without having to increase how much of your personal cash flow you are giving. Now, at, at this point, I almost feel like the Billy Mays guy, the ShamWow commercials, where it's, uh, you know, but wait, there's more. 
But wait, there is actually more. How do we make this even better? Well, number one, we're looking at an example of what if you donate cash to your donor advised fund? If you donate cash to your donor advised fund, then you get the, the deduction of that cash. You can't deduct it all in one year, but you can deduct it over a series of years. What about this? We mentioned that this couple that we're using this example, we have a million bucks in cash, two million bucks in IRAs, and $1 million in a brokerage account. Let's assume that part of that brokerage account was Apple stock. And they bought Apple stock years and years and years ago for $10,000. And now it's worth $100,000, just for example. Well, if this couple lives in California and their combined tax bracket between state and federal tax brackets is 25%, then that $100,000 they have is only actually worth $77,500 to them. Because once you pay 25% tax on the $90,000 of gains, the $100,000 drops to an after-tax value of $77,500. But here's the thing. That $100,000 is worth $100,000 to the donor-advised fund. It's just not worth $100,000 to you. So if instead of gifting cash to your donor-advised fund, you had stock or a fund or some investment you bought at a low basis, and by the way, this could be property, it could be business interests, it could be a number of things, but something you have that has a low basis that now is a much higher value, you could gift that to the donor-advised fund. And now you can take the deduction on the fair market value, not having to sell it and then gift it. So in this example, this couple could gift their Apple stock and get the $100,000 deduction to the donor-advised fund which now makes this strategy even more appealing to them because it's taken assets that aren't actually worth as much to them because of the embedded gains, giving those to the charitable fund, taking the deduction, and then implementing the same giving strategy along the way or the same conversion strategy along the way. One thing to note with this is when you're donating appreciated stock to a donor-advised fund, we mentioned earlier that if you gift cash to it, you can only deduct 60% of your adjusted gross income. We talked about the fact that you can still carry forward the excess giving, the excess charitable giving and deduction, but you can only deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income in any given year. If you are gifting stock or an investment instead of cash, that drops to 30%. So it would certainly change the details. Maybe instead of converting as much upfront, you might convert a lesser amount upfront and then use that carry forward deduction in subsequent years to spread out some of the Roth conversions but you get the benefit of not actually having to give cash. You can give stock or you can give an investment instead. So there's so many different facets to the strategy, whether it's the Roth conversion piece or whether it's the giving that can grow tax-free or the giving fund that can grow tax-free or whether it's how you fund the giving account. There's so many aspects to this. And when you add up all the different ways it can save you money and taxes over the course of retirement, it can be significant. But real quick, just to bring it back to big picture, where doesn't this make sense? Well, this doesn't necessarily make sense if charitable giving isn't part of your strategy. There's ways to maximize the benefits of the giving. There's ways to squeeze out as much possible tax savings on the giving that you're doing, but it's still a net expense. So if giving isn't something that you're doing, doing this isn't going to actually save you any net amount of income. It, all it's going to do is for people that do give, whether it's regular gifts or support for charities or tithes or whatever it is, if giving is part of what you do, it's part of your values and it's a part of your ongoing planning, then this can be an amazingly effective strategy. If giving is already something that you're doing, let's combine a giving strategy with a Roth conversion strategy. And when you combine the two, it can be very powerful. So again, as we're talking about this, this is for educational and illustrative purposes only. Talk to your CPA, talk to your financial planner, make sure that you have the pieces dialed in because there are a lot of moving pieces and variables with this. But if done right, 
this particular strategy can save significant amounts of taxes over time. So that is it for today's episode. If this is helpful or if there's someone that you think could benefit from hearing this episode, share it with them. This is something I've seen be so effective for so many people. And if you know anyone that's retired or is a regular giver and they have a 401k or they have an IRA and they're approaching or in retirement, share this episode with them. Make sure they're not leaving anything on the table that could be done more effectively through implementing some of these strategies together. So I hope this was helpful. Thank you as always for listening and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.